your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 445 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. As always, thanks so much for listening. This week I have a fun interview with creator Todd Kelly about his book Project Titans, which is an engrossing comic in an anime style that really grabbed my attention. It's described this way. The son of Jekt has been looking forward to this day his entire life, the day of his 16th birthday, the day he ascends and his true name is finally revealed. But before he can reach his goal, he must survive the Night of the Nameless. Follow along as he meets his first Titans, deals with the fact that he may never see home again, and does battle with the Shade. Todd and I talk about how we put the series together, about conventions and how much we miss them and hope they come back soon, and look forward to things that he has coming for us in the future. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. A word of warning, near the end of the interview, we started to get some interference of some sort, so you'll hear some buzzing and things occasionally. I did my best to take it all out, but some of it I couldn't take out without interfering with what Todd had to say. So I hope you won't let that interfere with enjoying this interview. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome to the podcast, Todd Kelly, the creator of a really fascinating series called Project Titans, which has a really strong anime feel to it. feels like, you know, you're the writer and creator, right, Todd? Yes, sir. Okay. Talk to me about, well, first thing, let's talk about your interest in comics and stuff like that. Have you always been a comics fan? Uh, I have always been a comics fan. I grew up, um, you know, obviously got into like the old uh, X-Men animated shows and uh, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, stuff along those lines. Um, and then once I found out that those animated shows were actually comic books, that was what kind of spurred me to, uh, you know, chase down those comics and try to find everything I could. Mm, great. So when did you make the jump from uh, being a reader? Because that's the, where I am. I can never make the leap to a creator. I can tell you what's good, but I can't come up with it. How, when did you dis- discover that you could do that? Um, man, you know, I think so. I tried to – I wrote it first. I, I started writing it as a series of short stories uh, because I had no idea of how to actually turn it into a comic book. Like I, I have no artistic ability whatsoever. I, I couldn't draw a stick figure to save my life. Uh, but I was actually at, I think it was my second or third Comic-Con that I had attended. I was down at the Tampa Bay Comic-Con, and um, I met a gentleman who was selling an indie comic. And uh, so I was you know, walking through with one of my friends, and uh, I'm, I'm in sales for a living. And, uh, you know, just if you've ever been to a Comic-Con, a lot of times, you know, there's different artists and different vendors. Some of them don't look like they want to actually be there that day. Um, and, uh, you know, so I just was walking around and I just remember talking to my buddy and saying like, man, if I was doing this, uh, you know, this is how I would do it. You know, I would do a, B and C. Um, and I remember walking up and then seeing this guy and I mean, he was just doing everything I just talked about plus a few more things. And uh, I was just really cool. His presentation was great. Um, his name was, uh, James, I, I don't remember the last name, but he did the, uh, the solar flare series. 
And, James uh, Hake. Yeah, James Hake. So I remember meeting him for the first time and, uh, you know, him pitching Solar Flare to me. And uh, this was before it was with Scout. Like, it was just back when it was indie. And I remember I sat there for, like, 20 minutes and just picked his brain about, like, man, how'd you do this? Like, you know, how'd you get past this? And and uh, it was literally through that conversation with him. Like, I left that conversation. And I remember I got home from Tampa Bay Comic Con. And I remember, like, sitting down with my wife, uh, uh, you know, on the couch. It was just like, hey, um, I have an idea. What do you think? And uh, I mean, that was pretty much rolled from then. And I think that was four years ago, maybe five. I'm not sure. Like I said, it was, it was before they got picked up with scout. Mm-hmm. So, cool. uh, but yeah, that conversation kind of uh, like started the whole whirlwind uh, from there. See, it's interesting because conventions will often do that. And I've been to many. It's so funny because if you're in a booth, sometimes you're next to somebody and you get to know them and you get to, to like you did, you get to find things out from them. I, I was in a booth next to Scott Hanna, who's a great artist. And he started talking to this one guy about something I had not considered about backgrounds and how important they are for for comics. And, you know, right. Batman outside of Gotham isn't really Batman anymore. <laughs> right. And all that kind of stuff. And I said to him, I said, man, sometime I'm going to have to have you on my podcast because that was really interesting. I didn't know that. And that's the same thing you went through. You, When you go to the convention, it's meeting the people, I think, is mm-hmm. almost worth the price of admission to be able to go and talk to people. Oh, 100%. I love it. Um, you know, I, again, I started going as a fan. I was lucky enough that the, uh, the first Comic-Con I ever went to, um, a couple of my friends took me up to the New York City Comic-Con for my bachelor party uh, right before I got married. <laughs> and uh, we went and did that and just road tripped it up there. Um, and that was a great experience. But Tampa, that, that year in Tampa was really the first time that I actually got to like stop and talk to people. Um, and again, I was just attending as a fan. Um, and it was just so much fun to you know meet these different creators who were taking something that I wanted to do and they had actually done it. And I think seeing that happen was kind of when the light bulb went off where it's like, wow, I can do this too. Like I, I can make this happen. Cool. Well, that see that I, I'll have to tell because I I know James and I'll have to tell him uh, about, about your experience with him because he's now the president of Scout Comics. Yeah, I think I remember seeing that. Yeah. yeah so he's got a he, he's doing that with a lot of people. He, I think he encourages a lot of folks. And if you if he's behind you, he's behind you like 150. percent So that's I, a, I mean, I've only met him twice, and I definitely got that from the conversations. Um, again, like we were in a busy Comic Con, and he I mean he took all the time to just sit there and talk and answer every question I had. Um, and it was long after he had closed the sale. So, I mean, you could tell that it was very genuine and very real. Oh, okay. So now, okay, you, you decided you could do it. How did you proceed, proceed from there? Uh, well, so first I decided to do it, and then I realized I had no idea what I was trying to do. Um, so that was when I actually, I, I think I ended up reaching out to James a couple times and, and just started uh, Googling, you know, kind of different options. And uh, the biggest thing for me was, uh, you know, finding an artist to work with. And, uh, so I just, you know, I had all these ideas. I had the story mapped out. Um, you know, again, I had written it as a series of short stories, so I had taken it pretty far there. Uh, so I knew what I wanted to do, but it was, you know, finding that artist to start working with. And so I, I went through, you know, I kind of went through the, the carousel trying to work with different artists and, uh, you know, found a couple bad ones that, you know, took my money and never actually delivered anything, learned my lesson there. Um, you know, and I mean, that just happens. It is what it is. Uh, I, I joke around and say that's just kind of part of the learning process. Um, so, you know, went through that, but I, I finally found a, a pretty solid artist and, and really just started working with him. And, um, you know, it was just, it was kind of off to the races there. Like once we did that, like the, just, the, you know, he did a couple of character 
um, designs for me. And, you know, I would give him my description of the character and I'm, I'm pretty open with the artist. I mean, I very much love the artist's interpretation. Um, you know, I want to see what they, when I give them my description and my feel of the character, like what do they come back with? And, uh, so the guy I work with, his name is Kiox Chan. I've worked with him throughout this entire project. And, uh, he just came back with some great character designs. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, it's kind of got an anime or a manga feel to it. Um, and I just absolutely loved, I mean, literally everything he's come back with, like very rarely I'm like, yeah, I don't like that. Like a lot of times he comes back and he's like, Hey, I know you, you know, you said A, B and C and I added D. I think this really adds a lot to it. And I'm just like, wow, that's money. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I I can relate to that because, you know, I'm the editor of, of uh, Stabity Bunny, which is also a scout comic that started out as an indie. And I went through the process with Richard Rivera, the creator. And, you know, he was asking artists just like you were to like give character sketches. So you get an idea of what the artist might do. First one was just, you know, nothing against the person. He did a very realistic looking character, but it just didn't get us. You know, we, we just looked at it and went, yeah. And then the next one he went to, we sorted through a couple of people and he came with one and I saw his drawing of one of the characters and I just went, Wow. I said, that's amazing. Look how he did that. You know, and that person just, ended up just being clicks, right. Like, you're just like, wow, yeah. like, he gets it. Like, or they get yeah. it. Like, whoever it is. Like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I've worked with a couple different artists on some different projects since, and I've met some different artists at the conventions. I think that's been one of the coolest parts about going to conventions. Um, you know, I met you at literally the, the, the convention we met at was the first convention I ever worked as a vendor. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, it was absolutely, I, I, it was the, uh, I think it was the Infinity Toy and Comic Con um, in Kissimmee. And so right. it was the first show I had ever done. We literally got the books um, delivered, uh, the first issue, we got it delivered the day before the show. Oh, wow. So they showed up the day before the show. I mean, the whole time, I'm just, I'm nervous the whole week whether or not they're going to show up on time. Uh, they ended up getting delayed and that was what threw it off. Uh, but I remember we got down there, we drove down there, uh, me and my buddy are based out of Tallahassee. We drove down to Kissimmee that morning mm-hmm. and we got down there. We thought we had everything, but obviously it's the first show. So everything's going to go crazy. Um, and we get there and like, there's not even a table in my spot. They had given away my table. Uh. Um, and then I had to go chase down a table. Uh. And, uh, once I chased down the table, uh, you know, didn't have a tablecloth and we had forgot to pack the one we had. And, uh, again, it was just our first show and we were just figuring it out. It was so funny though, because again, like we have, we have pictures of us at our first show. And I mean, we don't even have a tablecloth. We've got a tiny banner behind us. Uh, but at the same time we had an absolute blast. We, we sold well, like it was a lot of fun, but it's just, it's funny. Cause I mean, it was a rough show. So I'm glad to hear that for, from you because you know, the first one that we went to, I think we went to heroes con okay. up in uh, North Carolina. Right. And the bad news was we weren't aware how they laid things out yeah. and they had us on, on what they call an end cap at the end of a row. Yeah. And you literally could not get behind the booth. because oh. Everybody else's booths were all crammed up against you and you could, <laughs> all you could barely do was stand behind it. We said, we can't do this. Yeah. So they moved us to a different place, but we weren't, we hadn't thought through what we were going to do. He had a bunch of posters, but he had them laying on top of each other on the, on the table. And, you know, stuff like that. And so we didn't do well that first weekend. I'm glad that it went reasonably well for you. But it was literally a week later we went to uh, Florida Supercon. Okay. And during that week, I mean, uh, Richard just sat and pulled everything apart. We had met a a great guy by the name of Brad who told us some of the stuff we ought to consider. 
And he spent those couple days in between the convention retooling all this stuff. And the next con we went to, we went down to Florida Supercon, had a great convention, sold a lot of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, I so, mean, I, I think I learned more at that first show than I probably have all the other shows combined. Because, um, wow. again, I mean, you, just, you, you get into it. And uh, it's funny because, I mean, I still stay in contact with all the people that were tables around me. Uh, like, so it's just, I don't know. There's something about it, man. It's, it's a blast. Well, you know, you have something in common with those people and they can, like, like you said, like, but James, sometimes they have done things that you haven't yet and they can give you insight on what you might do. Agreed. It's, it's been a very cool experience because, you know, now we've, you know, fast forward almost a year later and, you know, I'm, I'm in a position where I'm helping some of them out. And, uh, you know, I've been, at this point to, to more shows than some of them have since and, and different things. And, you know, they'll reach out and obviously meeting kind of the different artists, like anytime you want to try and do variant covers, you know, now that you've actually, you know, met these different artists, like anytime I get a chance to, to give them some work or work with them, I'm all for it. Like I, you know, I'd much rather work with somebody that, you know, I've met and just, I'm like, wow, this person, you know, they do great stuff. Let's do it. Because it's, it's funny you mention that because we were up at New York and we were working in, in a group that included Ed McGinnis. Oh, nice. And uh, it, it threw a whole bunch of conversations. It ended up that he ended up doing a variant cover for Richard. That's awesome. So you see, the, the, this is people may not make a lot of money at a con, but your connections are probably going to be worth vastly more than you probably could make at a table. Uh, so I agree with that. It, it took me a few shows to really understand kind of the, the networking value. Uh, so I think it wasn't until, um, so I, I don't remember when that Kissimmee show was, but a few months later I was in uh, New Orleans. And so I did I, another book that I've done is a book called Atlas Rising. And it's a book for uh, a YouTube influencer named Randy Santelli. He's a competitive eater. And uh, I was hired uh, by his management team, uh, Further You. And so I worked on this book for him, helped kind of create the concept, wrote it, helped, you know, get the artists and, and just kind of manage the whole thing. And uh, so we were in New Orleans and we were at, uh, I think it was Big Easy Con. And so we're there and it's me, it's Randy and Randy's manager. And we're, we're, we're we have an artist alley table and, uh, you know, I'll tell you, like, again, as, as, you know, you know, this as an indie person out there. I mean, a lot of times when I go to these shows, I'll try and, you know, you're very much running it like a business. You're trying to keep the cost down. So if I'm doing a show where I've got a friend that lives by me, I'm most likely going to go crash with that friend and try to keep mm -hmm. that cost down uh, best I can. But, you know, in a situation like this in New Orleans where, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, just got a hotel and just very much we're like, okay, cool. We're here, you know, and we stayed at the same hotel that, you know, everybody from the con was staying at. Um, and that was one of the first times that I actually went out and really networked um, outside of the actual show. Now, there's one thing. I mean, there's networking at the show, but networking outside the show. Uh, this was kind of a, a big like eye opener for me because once you started seeing everybody outside the show, it was just a whole nother opportunity to kind of talk and then, you know, help each other at the show. And that was a lot of fun. So I think this is important for people to hear, especially we're starting to get rumblings of conventions that might be coming back or doing things. And I, I always feel that, like I said, that it's important to get behind the table and, you know, you will make some sales. And there, we went to New York, you mentioned New York, mm -hmm. and we were in Artist Alley instead of up in the small press. Holy smoke, we showed through almost everything we had. Yeah. It was just amazing because, you know, most of the time we're sitting there kind of like, hey, you want to read here about a comic book? People were just constantly coming up and I could barely get the, the, the description of the book out before they would buy it. And I'd be right. 
Oh my gosh. It was just that New York was just a, that was fabulous. We want to go back, you know, next time they do that, we want to be back in Irish Alley if we can, but. Oh yeah. Those, those shows are the best. I did, um, I did collective con about a week and a half ago in Jacksonville. Mm. And, um, so this was, you know, one of the first ones that they were doing back and, uh, you know, again, talk about kind of from a networking perspective. So this was one of those situations where, uh, you know, we purposely, uh, my wife and I discussed it ahead of time, but, you know, I purposely, even though I have friends in Jacksonville chose to stay in a hotel because didn't want to, uh, put any additional risk on anybody. So chose a hotel, uh, that was by the convention and through, you know, just literally going down to get dinner that night, my Grubhub meal uh, got canceled. So I uh, angrily went down uh, to the hotel bar uh, to get an overpriced burger. And uh, down there, I ended up running into uh, Chris, who actually ran uh, the convention. I ran into uh, John Swayze, who is a uh, voice actor. He does um, All for One in My Hero Academia. Uh, he does uh, Lord Death and Soul Eater. And uh, so I got to meet him and I got to meet Chuck. I don't remember Chuck's last name, but he does uh, Android 17 and Dragon Ball. He does uh, Hie and um, Yu Hakusho. And um, sure enough, like really just, just got to hang out with them uh, the entire Friday night. And uh, sure enough, I mean, John ended up coming and buying my comics on Saturday and uh, gave me a shout out during his panel on Sunday. Wow. And uh, I was right outside the panels. And uh, so he gives me a shout out on his panel and tells everybody, you know, he's bought my books and to come see me. And then all of a sudden I've got like nine, 12 people in front of me just <laughs> snatching them up. Um, and I ended up selling out of the inventory that I brought for the show. Wow. See, that's the thing. You, it, it's hard to know how this is going to work. I'm, I'm glad here it was a, a big success because I th- I'm, I'm hoping things will start to grind to get going again i'm glad to hear that one did really well for you and i'm hoping oh i want to see more of these because i the con experience is unique you know on both sides of the table oh it's amazing i i very much hope that they uh you know i saw that they just canceled ocala i believe that was today they announced it um which makes sense um you know just from what i read but yeah i'd, I'd very much love to see uh some of the conventions come back. Uh, Collective Con did an amazing job of, you know, keeping every keeping the distance for everybody. Uh, I mean, you know what a typical artist alley. I mean, you're you're mm-hmm. rubbing elbows with everybody, mm-hmm. like you mentioned. You know, you're you're don't even have a way into your your spot without getting up in somebody's personal space. Uh, but you know, the way Collective Con did it, they had I think Artist Alley was three, maybe four different rows, and uh, they only had I think four tables to each row. Uh, so realistically, I mean, I had I mean I didn't have anybody around me. Uh, whatsoever. I mean, I pretty much had to shout to talk to another table. Wow. That's some great stuff. So let's get to the book. I mean, I'd love we can talk cons all the time because, you know, because I think you've got some interesting insights and stuff to do that, but let's talk about the comic. Okay. You, you, you got the artist. Yes. And now you, you started the process and stuff. Now, did you kickstart or did you use your own funds for it? Uh, I use my own funds. So we discussed this again. So I'll reference my wife a few times. She's my, my business partner in this and business partner in life. Uh, so it was kind of one of those things where, I mean, I knew a little bit about Kickstarter, uh, but on the other side of it, like I just, we kind of made the decision, Hey, look, well, we'll just, we'll just save up. Let's figure out how much this whole thing's going to cost. And, you know, I knew I wanted to do the, at least the whole first, uh, story arc, um, you know, the first five, six issues. Uh, so I knew that I wanted to cover that. So just kind of figured out exactly how much all that was going to cost and just made it kind of my mission. Like, I'm going to save up all of this. We're going to set it aside. So this is never going to be like any money that we're counting on or anything. This is just, you know, this is our business and this is our side money. Uh, so we didn't do Kickstarter. Uh, we ended up, you know, funding the whole thing ourselves. 
Wow. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Now, of course, I've got to ask, what was it like when you saw your thing for the first time as a comic book? It was uh, the absolute craziest feeling in the world. Um, it, it's just, uh, you know, my kid won't listen to this for a while. She's only 16 months. So, I mean, it was it was, it was almost close to holding my daughter. for the first Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> she won't listen to it for a while. So, we'll go all right. Uh, okay. So, that, so <laughs> okay. We've talked. I kind of got around the book. Talk about what Project Titans is about. Okay, so Project Titans, I won't, I won't spoil anything if we, uh, so I'll, I'll tell a little bit about it. And then, you know, if we want to end up kind of spoiling something towards the end, we'll just put a warning or whatever. Uh, so the first story arc is called The Night of the Nameless. And what this is, we follow our main character. Uh, he's referred to as the Son of Jet. And he is what's called, or he's been marked um, at birth. And so he's been raised without his name. And on his 16th birthday, he is going to ascend and become a demigod-like creature called a Titan. And he is also going to have, during this ascension, he's going to have his name revealed to him. So like a kid that, you know, is about to get his driver's license, uh, you know, this, he can't wait for this day. This is his day. He wants it to happen. This is all he's been living for. And uh, so naturally our story starts the day before that's supposed to happen and everything just goes to chaos. And so his island is attacked by a legendary creature called the Shade, um, and it's up to him and his two young Titan guides, Halo and Hope, to try and fend off this creature, save everybody on the island, and make it and just survive until sunrise when he can finally kind of reach that moment that he's been waiting for. Hmm. It's interesting. Okay. Uh, the characters, are they based on anybody? The reason I ask that is, you know, I, I, the first interview I ever did was with David Peterson from Mouse Guard. And I said to him, I said, are the, the mice patterned after like King Arthur's, you know, round table nights? Oh, no, they're my friends, he goes. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. I would, I would definitely say that some of the characters are either based off friends. Uh, the father character is, is definitely based off my dad um, and just kind of some of his mannerisms and uh, the way he tells stories. Um, you know, it, it's just very much based off my dad. <laughs> That's kind of funny. And, you know, uh, you know, we talked about James Hake, you know, he, he actually wrote one of his friends into a comic, but what he didn't tell him was that he was going to get killed by the end of the issue. <laughs> and when he gave him the issue, he goes, wait a minute, I died in here. He goes, <laughs> so it's kind of funny how when those kinds of things, you got to be kind of careful when you do that stuff and uh, you know what you got to do with your friends, you know, it's nothing personal. Of course, you just want to tell a good story, but. Oh, no, I definitely understand when I did the, uh, the book for, for Randy Santel, uh, the Atlas rising book, I had to be you know pretty careful because I'm writing a character based on him. Mm. Um, and so it was just, you know, the whole time, like you're writing it, but you're also sending it to them and, and kind of getting like, Hey, what do you guys think of this? Of, of almost like every page you get you're like, Hey, okay. Is this okay? Give me the, okay. Because I, I can't move forward until you tell me this is, this works because I'm not going to do 20 pages of this. And then you tell me that I messed up on page two. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the way to do it. So, well, I got to ask Dan, okay, so the, it, it's a real interesting move to have your name, the <laughs> name of your character not be known. When you start off the main character, most people, you know, you got Superman, right. you got Batman, all these people, they all have names, which they do. But to start with one nameless, that's kind of an interesting challenge. And I was when I was reading the, the materials you sent to me, I was kind of fascinated by the fact that he's, you know, I, there is a thing about teenage characters and stuff. We like coming of age stories right. a lot in comics. Talk about the, the development of nameless and, you know, why you went the route you did. 
Uh, well, I mean, to me, similar to you, it, to me, it just kind of sounded interesting. So I knew uh, what I wanted the name to be, and I kind of knew where I wanted the the twist. Um, and you know, so I, I wrote it backwards and, and just kind of was like, okay, like I, I think this would be fun if we did it this way, um, and very much kind of set up this character where you know you think it's going to be this, and we kind of lay the groundwork for. Uh, you know, to go one way and then really realize that we were kind of secretly laying the groundwork to go a totally different direction um, the entire time and eventually set up what's going to be his, you know, major conflict, you know, during any further issues in the continuation of the series. Uh, you know, one of my favorite comics um, was the original uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. And, you know, I loved where, uh, you know, I think it was Brian Michael Bendis said that, you know, he, he took his time with that whole first story arc. Uh, you know, as he developed Ultimate Peter Parker, um, you know, and it, he didn't really actually like he didn't turn into Spider-Man until kind of midway through the first arc and, and really start doing his battle. Um, and so for me, it was kind of like, OK, I'm going to take my time. Like, you know, there's going to be conflict, um, you know, on a couple different levels. But, you know, I want to save the name pretty much until the very end and kind of have that be like, OK, boom, like that's, you know, now we're off and running. Because mm-hmm. one thing I liked very much about the the, the character a lot was that. He's learning, and we as an audience are learning with him what's going on a lot. He gets uh, – in one of the early things is he's being told what the story is, is what's going on with him and what's going to happen and stuff like that roughly. And what that does for us is that we're actually involved in that. So I thought the way you did that was really engaging because, you know, as you sit there and read that, you kind of think, you know, what if I was in that situation? How would I react? All right. Well, thank you. Uh, that's, that's, you know, hundred percent what I was going for. You know, I just want you to kind of be there with them and just be like, okay, cool. I can feel this. And then again, kind of towards that end where you finally get that reveal of, of what that name's going to be. And you kind of make that moment. Like you, you want them to feel with the character. It's like, Oh, wow. Now talk about the other characters too. Hope. Is that the, the ginger female? Yeah, that's hope. Is she, she's not based on your wife. Is she? No, 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 uh, no, no, Wrote her uh, long before the wife, uh, but I'm sure some of my wife's uh, more powerful characteristics will eventually make it in there. Um, but no, Hope is, uh, you know, just a character that, you know, wanted to write a strong female character. And then it was just very interesting because throughout the writing of this, um, you know, obviously I ended up having my daughter. And it was one of those things, too, where it's just like, wow, like, you know, I really want to write this strong female character, you know, that's going to. Uh, you know, be our main character's peer, but also kind of his mentor uh, for a little while and, and really just kind of taking him along the, you know, along the teaching him the ropes and, and taking him along and, and just trying to make sure that he doesn't get himself killed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, you know, in this book is very likely to happen. You know? Yes, it almost does. <laughs> so, okay. Talk about the other character, the the, the guy that's part of the, the triad. So Halo is, you know, he, he's going to be kind of that, that voice of reason. Uh, type character. He's going to be the one that, you know, tries to talk them out of, of kind of doing the crazy things. But at the end of the day, usually gives in. Uh, but he's very much going to be that that voice of reason. And, and hopefully at some point, I uh, would like him to end up being the rival uh, type character as well. So we'll kind of see where that goes. Um, I, I've written it a couple different ways. Um, so as you know, sometimes it's just, you know, it's like, okay, cool. I've got options A, B, and C. We'll, we'll see what happens once I get there. Well, sometimes the characters write themselves. Exactly. I mean, sometimes you start going in one direction and you just really, you're like, okay, cool. I have no idea how I ended up here, but I love it. So let's do it. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a natural progression. And you're, see, that's probably the leap that I can't make. And I'm just jealous of is the fact that you can do those things and those characters come. I mean, if I see it, I can tell you what's good, like I said, but I cannot 
make that jump to there. So I, I just have to admire it. And that's why you're the writer and I'm the reviewer and the podcaster because I, I, I can't do those things. But, uh, but that it gives me a chance to read your, your good stuff like that. Now, I, I'm fascinated, too, by the, the, the shade. Okay. Talk about... <laughs> You know, there's a there's struggles in which let's just say that they're not necessarily corporeal, as they might say. There's there's a battle in which, for example, one of them takes a sword and kind of cuts into them, and it doesn't necessarily put them out of action. Right. So, talk about where the inspiration for the shade came from, and and what you're trying to accomplish with that villain. So with the shade, one of the big things about it was, you know, we wanted it to be kind of this, this scary creature and we purposely left out quite a bit of information about it. Right. So we, you know, we, we give a lot of backstory, I think, um, you know, in these first five issues, but you know, about the shade, we, we left it pretty vague. Now we know what that backstory is. Um, but you know, right now it's, it's more or less, we want it to be kind of vague and we want it to be scary. Um, but you know, for, for the most part, the creature is, is more of an energy creature. And again, it's, it's mostly nocturnal. Um, and you, you kind of find out a little bit of, you know, like who its bosses are and kind of what's going on there. Uh, but I mean, again, right now it's a creature that the biggest, that the, one of the scariest things about it to everybody else is that they just don't know anything about it. They know it's this bad creature that's going to come and, you know, it can hurt and it can kill people. And, you know, it's implied in there that it also can, uh, you know, remove an individual's energy from them. Um, and, you know, so it's kind of, I, I guess, for lack of a better term, like the vampire of this world. Uh, where, you know, it comes and sucks this life energy called Stan out of people. And, you know, it, it again, it's it's kind of their boogeyman, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I've got to mention, because right now I'm looking on my screen, and I've got the cover of the issue two up. Yes. And the, the cover is really fascinating because you see the three main characters in the front, but behind them you see the shade, or at least one of the shade, and it's got this glowy white eye, and it looks to be sort of a mouth almost looks like there's teeth in there, you know, kind uh-huh. of stuff and very dark background of it. I mean, that's scary. I mean, at this point I got to ask how much of that did, did your artist come up with? How much of that did you have in mind when you started this? Did it evolve? How did the shade oh. get to be like they are? It, it has been a complete evolution. Uh, so if you take a look at the first cover, uh, which is a black and white cover, uh, so that was done. I lived in Jacksonville. Uh, one of the first people that I ever told about my story uh, was a good friend of mine named Forrest Davis, and he was an artist. And so he ended up doing that first cover for me. And, you know, we ended up going with a different design for the shade. But whenever it came time to actually print the book, I just kept going back to Forrest's cover. And I was like, I can't not use this. Like he, he did this for me. I love the artwork. It's absolutely amazing. We've gone with a different design for the character, but this is literally the first piece of art that shows my story. And so just, it had to be my cover. Um, and then whenever we went with the issue or the cover for issue two, uh, that was me and the current artist, Keox, uh, just kind of working through. And again, I told him a, a pretty rough idea of what I wanted to do. And uh, he wanted to kind of more or less hide the shade kind of in the background uh, because that's where the shade makes its first appearance at the end of that book. And he didn't want it to be too obvious whenever you just looked at the cover and you knew what was going on because obviously we had shown kind of a different variant of him on the first cover. Uh, so that was kind of his nod of just kind of hiding it in there. So it, that's the main thing about the shade is that they absorb energy from people. Is that the, the, the biggest thing? Well, you said they, they kill as well. They do. Uh, so they absorb, they kill. Uh, they are 
uh, you know, the, the big thing in there is they're the forgotten followers of the, uh, the four horsemen. And they are just right now, you know, they haven't had any leadership in a long time and they're just kind of roaming monsters. And, you know, they're just known as like the big, bad scares uh, that, you know, like a lot of people talk about kind of, again, similar to the boogeyman. There's, there's a lot of people that know about the shade, but have never seen one. And uh, so it showing up on this island is a very big deal. Mm-hmm. So all this, of course, is get, gets in the way of the nameless character. Yes, you know, ruins his and, night. <laughs> yeah, so th- this is what the, the story is. is all, these all come together, and that's where the conflict comes in. And it was, what's interesting is that uh, I really have to say that you've got the anime feel yes. down. And the, uh, was that your intention? I mean, did you originally want it to have an anime feel, or was it when the artist – came across this artist that moved that way because the dialogue really feels like, and I've watched some anime and I, I, I it really feels like that to me, the way that they always kind of say things with, with an exclamation point at the end of the sentence. <laughs> so I, I'm a very excited individual. So that may just be how I talk in general. Um, <laughs> okay. but, uh, but yeah, it, it definitely, you know, I wanted to go with that. I'm a huge fan. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of comics, but I'm a huge fan of uh, manga as well. And, uh, you know, anytime I can get it, I'm one of those individuals that, you know, I started watching Naruto uh, and then, you know, got caught on the fillers and realized that the uh, the manga was ahead of it. So I started reading the manga, too, uh, you know, because I just was impatient. And, uh, you know, I just I love it. Uh, You know, one of my buddies uh, sent me uh, the story. All you need is kill um, a couple of weeks ago. Literally, he read it. Amazon did over to me and I ended up reading it. and I absolutely loved it. I, I've just always been a fan. So uh, whenever I decided I was going to do this and, you know, that we were going to do it independently and, you know, just just you know go to shows and, and you know, we've, we've sold pretty well at shows. And it was kind of one of those things where it's like, well, I'm going to do it. I just I want to do it the way that I want to do it. And uh, so, it was, you know, let's go with kind of an anime feel in a comic book. And uh, so that was pretty much what we were looking for out the gate. And then the artist just, you know, took it and ran with it. Um, and it's just one, you know, how I mean, once you start working with somebody, you just, you, you start figuring out what they can do and you're just like, Oh wow, I want to do it even more. Like, let's do this, let's do that. And you just run with it. It's very cool. Well, it's very, you know, anime in that sense. And I really like the way that the characters develop and they start to bounce off of each other. And it's kind right? of fun to see them learn <laughs> from each other. You know, they, they, right. they are, growing you know they're at that age where they're still trying to figure out you know what they want to be when they grow up and especially in this circumstance that's right. a, a real dangerous place to be so it, it's really interesting how the characters grow and that's one thing i like about the book particularly is the the way that it develops you know things some anime that i've seen is kind of static you know right little things happen within a certain circumstance and sometimes I get a little bored with that, but yours was very <laughs> engrossing because things change, things develop. We get to understand and see more uh, as, as things unfold in front of us. And I always like that kind of a thing. I think you do it real well. Thank you. Appreciate that. So uh, let's talk about where you are right now. You, you've got what, five issues? Yeah, we got five issues. Um that are done. And uh, so actually collective con was the first show where we sold all five. Uh, so I would have printed four and five sooner, uh, but once all the shows started canceling, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. 
Uh, so we didn't print four and five until we actually had a show that we could, you know, go and, and sell them. And uh, I just, I enjoy the feedback. So, you know, when it was really cool, when, you know, you're in there Friday and you're selling and, you know, people come back on Saturday and they're like, Hey, I read, you know, I already read it. I loved it. Like that was awesome. I loved what you did with the name. Like that was perfect. And, you know, they bring back their buddy to buy from you. So I just, I had to launch it in the show. Mm-hmm. Great. That's really good. Now, let's say somebody's interested in Project Titans. Let's hope that they are. How do they get a hold of, of copies of this? Is it is it uh, you get physical copies? Do you get digital copies? How do you do it? Yeah, right now we'll do uh, we'll do the physical copies. Uh, so we have a website. It's uh, projecttitanscomics.com. Uh, there's an option there where you can go in and buy. Uh, we've got a store through Store Envy where you can go in and buy through there. Um, and then we'll just go ahead and ship them to you. You can buy the whole set. Um, and then we've also, we're adding an option where you can just buy four and five because we were selling one, two, and three for a while at shows. Uh, so anybody who bought one, two, and three, there's going to be an option where you can just buy four and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, what about digital versions? Are you, are you making those available? I'm going to probably in the next week or two. Uh, so uh, we had just, we redid some of the lettering um, on some of the first, uh, it was one of the things I, I learned at the shows was I, uh, you know, I met a couple different artists and, uh, you know, they gave me some, some pointers. Uh, so we had redid some of the lettering on some of the books. Uh, so we're going to launch those uh, probably in the next month or so. We'll get them all online. See, lettering is one of those things that if it's done well, you don't notice it. If it's not done well, you notice it. So it's one of those things that has to work. And, you know, I've known a lot of people who have told me that I had to go back and rework the lettering because Mm -hmm. it didn't quite do the things that I wanted it to. Well, it's like theme music in in like a movie. If you sit there and you're, you're paying attention to the music, then you, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to get you into the story. Right. So it's the same thing with this lettering is there to, to communicate and get the story going, but sometimes it gets in the way. And so I can understand if you want to go back and make some changes to it and update it some. One of the things I liked, and I mean, uh, you know, the first set of lettering that we had was, was functional and it worked, uh, but I don't know that it added to the story. And uh, so the, the lettering that we redid uh, everything with, you know, we went back and added emphasis on certain words and, uh, restructured a few things, uh, you know, kept all the dialogue the same, just kind of reworked uh, maybe some of the flow sometimes. And it just, I love it. Like, I mean, I, I could not be happier uh, with how it's done. I didn't realize it wasn't something I, you know, I wasn't a fan of again until, uh, you know, somebody kind of helped point it out to me. And I'm like, oh, wait, you're right. And then, uh, you know, just being a perfectionist, had to go back and get it fixed. Yeah, well, you know what? It, it's good to do that, though, because what, what's going to happen is, is when people get to read it, and you know, this just screams uh, cartoon or animated series to me. That is the question we get all the time, and yeah. I, it's a great compliment. Like, I love it, uh, but they're always like, "So when's this going to be a series?" And I'm like, "I'm like, hey, man, I'm I'm just selling the shows right now." Uh, <laughs> I was like, "Once you know the person, introduce them to me. I'm good. I got you." Well, you know, a lot of creators tell me that the thing to do is make a good comic. Mm-hmm. And if it blossoms into something else, like I I don't know if you've ever heard, there's a series called Cleopatra in Space. Uh, I believe I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, I, the, the Mike Mayhack, who does it, is, and I'm trying to get him on the, on the podcast here. He, I saw him at almost every convention we were at. <laughs> he was selling those books, and they're, they're, uh, all ages, but when I say all ages, don't think that that's a, a, a put down. Right. It's the kind of a story you can read. And what's happened with that 
actually, they just came out with the Peacock Network. Right. And Cleopatra in Space is on there now as an animated show. <laughs> That's awesome. And I watch it, and I, I wrote to him, and I said, you know, I, I subscribed to Peacock just to get that show. Nice. Because it's very true to the books, and the books are kind of fun. You know, when Cleopatra, in, out of her, you know, the, the place where she's normally, you know, in charge of everything, is it's really interesting. Is she's trying to figure out her way in an entirely different culture. Stuff That's like fun. That. I'll have to check it out. It's really good. I really like it, and uh, it's uh, hopefully I get to talk with him. I'm, I'm trying to work something out with him to talk with him because I got I have a boatload of questions I'd love to ask. Cause, see, as if you listen to this podcast, you know one of the things that I love is a strong female lead, and that's why I think that Hope stands out to me is because she's a very strong, powerful character who is feminine and yet powerful. Right. You know, and that, that I think I, I always say this on this podcast, but it's so true is that we have explored men for decades. You know, men have been scoundrels and scientists and you name it, you name it. But I don't think we've nearly scratched the surface on female characters. So I, I'm always I, interested. I agree with you a thousand percent. We've got a uh, so the next story arc. Uh, so we're working on issues six and seven now. And we're also working on issue zero. And uh, we've got a uh, a fun and powerful female character that's going to get introduced. Actually, two uh, that are going to introduce the next arc. And it's definitely getting to the point where, like, I'm I'm really excited to just be like, so I'm like, all right, I can't wait to get to this issue so I can introduce this character. And I think one of the downsides of being independent is obviously you have the freedom where you're just like, well, if I want to introduce them sooner, I can. And then you have to like stop yourself and be like, nope, wait till this issue. It makes sense. Don't rush it. That's right. See, uh, unlike Batman, I, I often say this on the podcast too: is Batman has to end up where he started. Somebody else has to come yep. along and pick it up. Uh huh. So yep. I'll get a kick out of that. So, but <laughs> but you don't have to do that. You can nope. go wherever you want yeah. and do whatever. That's kind of a cool thing. I like that. So okay, so uh, the books are. Uh, I have to say though, I, I don't think this. In my reading of it, the story arc ends in number five. <laughs> if I'm not correct, I, 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 there are, there's more story to tell. Oh, there's a lot say. more story to tell. Uh, so there's a lot more story to tell to me. That's the, the wrap up of, uh, that again, kind of the night of the nameless. We wrap up that first kind of 24 hour period. Uh, but I mean, issue six, um, you know, at that sunrise. Uh, so we kick issue six off. Um, the night of the nameless changes the entire world. Um, you know, and issue six starts off by kind of showing the ramifications of, you know, what that's going to be like and how it's going to start to affect and, uh, you know, how people are going to try to hide, uh, you know, who Nameless uh, became and, and all that fun stuff. So, um, you know, so here we, we can put out a little bit of a spoiler warning. If, if you have not read the books, uh, go ahead and hit pause and go buy the books, read the books, um, and then come back because I'll re- uh, like we're going to talk about the name because I just think it's fun and I don't ever actually get to talk about it with anybody. So the name that's revealed is that he is war and he's the fourth horseman. Right. Uh, and so this was a lot of fun knowing the whole time, like, okay, cool. He's actually, uh, you know, one of the air quotes, bad guys. So it, it's kind of one of those fun mixes where now we get to play with this character who's been raised thinking, Hey, I'm going to be, go be a good guy. And you know, the whole world's going to view him as a bad guy. Um, again, kind of as one of those boogeyman type characters exist and the whole world is going to side down by his existence. Mm. and it being a lot of fun so it was you know writing the first five issues was, was a blast but i'm definitely really excited about 
uh, you know, the stuff we're doing with seven and issue zero as well, because, you know, now all that's out there and, you know, you just get to run with it and kind of show how it affects the world. Mm -hmm. So do you have any idea how many issues you have in mind for Project Titans? I mean, it's going to be definitely something I do for a while. I'd say, you know, in terms of writing, I can go, you know, 24, 30 issues, depending on, um, you know, where we take it. Uh, but it, it's definitely it's a lot of content. Like I said, I wrote quite a few short stories um, and it was really easy because being a big fan, I kind of unintentionally broke the chapters down into basically uh, content for comic books. Uh, so it just kind of worked out that way. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we've got quite a few story arcs. I mean, obviously there's, you know, the, the, the other horsemen that are out there and there's a whole world to explore. So we've got quite a bit that we can work with. So it just really comes down to, you know, obviously treating it like a business and, you know, being smart about it. So I'd love to, you know, crank out 12 issues a year, but, you know, right now with no, uh, not as many conventions to go to, to, to sell at and to help you kind of grow your audience. Um, you know, it's just not super intelligent. Now, what about Kickstarter or Indiegogo or other kind of crowdfunding? Have you thought about that? I think it's something that I'm going to have to uh, do some more research on. It's definitely something that I've, so again, I'm, I'm in sales for a living and, uh, you know, I, I've done well at every show we've gone to. So at first it was just like, well, just go do shows. Like we're turning a profit at every show we go to. We're selling well. We're getting great feedback. And, you know, the first thing was like, let's go do shows for a year or two, you know, build the connections, you know, make these networking uh, you know, connections and then let's just see where we're at from there. But, you know, obviously everything kind of changed whenever the, you know, show started getting canceled. So it's forced me to uh, explore different options. I was uh, actually, before we got started, I was listening to uh, Tyler James from Comics Tribe when I was listening to one of his, uh, you know, podcasts that he was doing talking about uh, Kickstarter and everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, something to see how it works out, whatever works out best. So, okay, if people want to follow you and keep up with your projects and stuff, how do they do that on social media? You, you would say the name of the website again. Uh, so the website is projecttitanscomics.com. Um, and then we're on Instagram at TCalWrites. Um, and then we're on Facebook as well, just under Project Titans. Okay, very cool. So it's it's a lot of fun to read. And if you like anime, you're probably going to really like this one too. But even if you don't, I think the characters are going to grab you. And the, the setup is really interesting. Uh, like something different that I haven't read before. And that, that somebody who's read as long as I have, that's always a pleasure to find. So I very much take that as a compliment. That's awesome. Well, you should. It's, it's called Project Titans. And it's a very fascinating book, and we might see Todd at conventions when they start to gear up again, sounds like. Yes, definitely. Sounds good. Well, Todd, just keep it up, and we'll have to talk again in the future when the maybe issue six starts to, to rear its head and starts to come out. We'll have to talk about that. So, you know, keep up the good work. It's great reading. Thank you. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man... I'm flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. That's it for this week. Please be back next time when I'll be speaking with another great comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.